You know, I think the last time we sang that song in this church was at my mom's funeral. Wow, that is powerful. I'm telling you guys, this is awesome. This is in the throne room of heaven. We are with the angels, and we are declaring his goodness and his greatness. I wish our community could be a part of this. I feel so bad that this world isn't seeing this and, are, and, and feeling and being a part of what we just experienced here today. This is powerful. This is life-changing power that so many are just walking away from because they don't think it's necessary. I feel so bad for people. Wow. This morning, I want to continue on our study with Peter calling us to be consistent called to be consistent in our walk. Peter is in the process of teaching and encouraging his readers about living for Jesus in the face of persecution. The world at large is persecuting the church of the time, and they're scattered all through Asia Minor because of the persecution 
outside. And we're also finding the sad part of it is we've been finding as we've been going through this study that there's even some persecution coming from within the church. People criticize people. Christian people, church people attack church people. Not good. Not good. Peter's teaching us how to live a life of consistency in the process of that kind of evil from the world and not good from the church. In addition to that, I think that what he's speaking to us too, and maybe that wasn't, this wasn't the condition of the world then, but I believe it's a condition of the world today, especially in America, especially in northern Michigan and America. We are extremely blessed. We are extremely protected. We really don't have any persecution in our life, so maybe we're having a hard time associating what Peter's talking about. But we have immense blessings. And I will say that many times blessings become a replacement for persecution that will chase people away from God. And I know this is a hard one to understand, maybe. But maybe we don't truly understand what it is to have a blessing of the Lord and still be able to run after Him like we need Him. Sometimes blessings come and they're so bountiful that we have a tendency to think, well, I'm pretty blessed right now. I'm pretty healthy. I have enough money in my account. I even have a little extra in my bank account right now so I can uh, buy this extra thing and I can do that. And all of a sudden, our blessings become a level of curse in our life because it's taken us away from truly understanding what it is to love Jesus because we're loving the gift more than the giver of the gift. And I think sometimes that's a big issue for us. Regardless this morning where you find yourself, maybe you are under persecution and maybe you're not having the curse of the blessing. I'm not sure where your life is. Maybe it's a combination there. But regardless of where we find ourselves this morning, the message of my heart today is that we as followers of Christ, true followers of Christ, that we would train ourselves to be intentional and focused on living a sold-out life for Jesus in the midst of either the persecution or in the midst of the blessing or in the midst of the boredom of the day. Because sometimes we just get bored. Sometimes the doldrums of life just come to us and we say, man, I don't know, this is bored. And we need to understand how do we get through that. So it doesn't make any difference what you're, where you're coming from today. If your life is um, turned upside down or if you're very balanced and running down the road of health and security and safety and peace and all that stuff, this morning the, the purpose of the message today is to call us to a life of consistency that we would be the same Monday morning and Wednesday night and Thursday night as we are on Sunday mornings. That there is no difference in our attitudes. There's no difference in the words we speak. There's no difference in the songs that we sing. There's no difference in our, in our attitude of worship and, and our actions. That It doesn't make any difference. It shouldn't make any difference if I'm in church or if I'm on the job. Can somebody say amen? Because that's the truth. Because we are to be called a, to a consistency of our actions in our life. Dave, you are right on this morning in the Sunday school class today talking about character. Character is so important. Character is what you are when nobody sees you. 
Character is the choices you make when you think you're all alone. Character is, do you count all your golf strokes? Oh, that one hurts. That one comes to me. I got to tell you. Character, though, is so important to our life because that is the consistency of the fabric of who make, what makes us up. So it's right on, and it's so important that we recognize that. So let's get into 1 Peter because 1 Peter is going to talk to us about that. Our text today is 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 through 18. He says, Who is going to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. That is consistency. You can't have good behavior if you're not consistent. That's what we're talking about this morning. Verse 17, For it is better, if it is God's will, to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in the body, but made alive in the spirit. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And we ask, Lord, that you bring your words alive to our hearts today. Bring revelation knowledge, Father. Move it from our head to our heart, and then our heart to our actions, and to our hands and our feet. Help us to be consistent. In Jesus' name, amen. People really haven't changed much from the days of Peter to today when it comes to worldly people liking per people that treat them well. <laughs> the basic premise is that if you're nice to me, I'll be nice to you. <laughs> that's, that's what he says in the first verse. Peter is admitting that the world is kind to those who are kind to them. Don't ruffle my feathers and I won't, I won't upset your apple cart. Just get along. I'm not going to press you. I'm not going to challenge you. I'm not going to uh, offend you. I am just going to do things that you will just be comfortable with. That's the world's definition, really, of getting along. People generally don't like it when you rock their boat. They like the smooth ride. They don't like it when you come messing with them and challenging them. They don't like it when you mess with their atmosphere or you get into their sphere of influence and challenge them. They don't like that. So when a true follower of Christ comes along and lives a life following Jesus, lives a life that is above reproach, lives a life that no matter what they're doing to them, that they're not reacting in a negative way, it kind of turns their world upside down and they don't know, quite know how to handle it. And then that often brings some of the persecution. So then Peter goes on in verse 14, but even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. You are blessed if you suffer. Now what is that all about? Understand Peter isn't the only apostle that understands the concept of Christians undergoing suffering and persecution as a result of them taking a stand for Christ. All of the apostles died a martyr's death besides John. They all died in not such a good way. 
because they believed wholly in who Jesus is. They, they, were, they suffered. They were persecuted. Paul, Paul, who wasn't one of the original apostles, who wrote most of the New Testament, he was the poster child, if you will, of suffering for doing what is right. Open your Bible, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 12. You, however, know all about my teachings, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance. In other words, you knew all the things I was doing that were, that were good, that were right. Verse 11, you also knew about my persecutions and my sufferings. What kinds of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Listeria, the persecutions I endured. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, here's some really encouraging news to all of us. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Are you encouraged this morning? <laughs> Is that what you wanted to hear? Yeah, we're going to be persecuted. You guys are sick. <laughs> Nobody likes to be persecuted. That's not why we're doing it. And I'm not saying that we have to think, we have to live a life looking for persecution. No, we live a life looking for joy and happiness and peace. That's what God wants for us. But understand, we are going to go through some hard times in the process. So don't get discouraged when, they, when the persecution comes. Don't you have to look for it. It'll find you. Yeah. So when, when trouble comes, it must be a bad thing, right? We must, have, we must be able to pray it away. Scott. Yes, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego were not in the lion's den. That was Daniel. But Meshach, Shadrach, and they were in the fiery. Yeah, gotcha. My theological degree is somewhat lacking. I gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> but even if you should suffer for doing what is right, here's the deal, guys. You're going to suffer for doing right or doing evil. So you might as well suffer for doing right. Suffering's coming one way or the other, so you might as well suffer for, for doing right and not for evil. And when you suffer for doing right, guess what happens? You're blessed. You're blessed. Now let's talk about what a blessing is for a minute. Maybe the reason that we have a problem here is because we don't truly understand what the term blessing means. Maybe we're thinking that blessings mean that life is going to be fun, easy, lots of money, lots of wealth, a nice boat, nice cars, all the stuff that we think is going to be good, and no problems. Well, and I will tell you that if my life was all about living for 80 years here, and then knowing that I was going to die, and that I was never going to wake up from that, in other words, I was going to go to eternal sleep and have no repercussions of my life, then I would probably make that my definition of blessings too that my definition of blessings is how much can I get out of life? How much can I get out of this short period of time that I live? But that's not the reality of life. We have an eternal life that's coming after we make our, take our last breath here. So now that must mean I should relook at what a blessing is. You see, when I, I go around and I look at life thinking that it's all about what I can get out of life. I'm missing the mark. Because really a Christian's life should be how much can I put into life? What I get out of life here stays here. 
What I get out of this life here stays here because it's temporal. But what I put into this life from a Christian perspective will travel with me through all eternity. So what is my definition of a blessing then? My definition of a blessing is not something that I can spend here and then waste it here, and then when, it's, when I die, it's gone. No, a true definition of a blessing is whatever focuses my life on Christ. Whatever makes me want to know more of Jesus, more, more of his goodness, know more of the things that I can put into my life is a blessing into my life because that I will take with me through all eternity. Amen? Does that make sense? That we understand truly what a blessing is? A blessing comes then when I suffer for Christ, because that's developing character, it's developing perseverance, it's, de- it's developing, it's perfecting me to be a sold-out Christian for eternal life perspective. So that when I get that, it helps me to understand good things and bad things, and how a bad thing to the world would be considered a curse, but to a bad thing to a Christian, because it makes me press into Jesus a little bit more. It makes me want to focus on him a little bit more. It makes me want to dig into what his word says about life. It, those are blessings for me. Those are the things that make me closer to Jesus, that give me a deeper relationship. That's truly a blessing. The world doesn't get it. Remember, we're talking about living a lifestyle that's consistent in the world so that we will be a great witness for Christ and that we can truly be pleasing to Jesus. That's what we're talking about, a consistent lifestyle. A little bit of hope here, a little bit of help here is when I can keep my eyes focused on the eternal. It will help me. When I can know my life is not all about the 80, 90, 100 years that I might be blessed with here. But when I can keep my eyes focused on Jesus, it really helps me to understand what it means to be blessed when I'm suffering for persecution or whatever comes my way. Verse 14 says, But even if you should suffer for what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear their threats. Do not be frightened. Do not live in fear. As believers in Christ, we're not to fear any man. Oh, that's a big one. Fear cripples and reduces the fear of God into a fear of man that basically takes away our testimony. Because now we're not bold enough to stand before man because we're afraid of what they think of me. We're afraid of what they're going to say about me. We lose the fear of God because we gain a fear of man. We're not to be afraid of men or what they think of us when we are standing up for Jesus. We are not to fear what men think of us when we're standing up for Jesus. Luke chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. I tell you, my friends, this is Jesus. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body and after that can do no more. That's basically a man. But I will show you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after your body has been killed, has authority to throw you into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. Who's him? God. We fear God. Now, we don't fear him like he's a big, mean God with a big hammer. No, we fear him in reverence and awe and respect because of the authority that he has to speak life or death based upon my obedience to him or disobedience to him. Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 and 33, we spoke about this in Sunday school. If anyone publicly acknowledges me as his friend, I will openly acknowledge him as my friend before my Father in heaven. But if anyone publicly denies me, I will openly deny him before my Father in heaven. 
Now, is there any way to twist this verse to say that you can live a life that is embarrassed about Jesus and still be pleasing to the Father? Can, is, there any, is there any way you can twist these words around to say that? I don't think so. So let's just read it for what it says. I am not to be ashamed of Jesus in front of my friends. I am to live a life of consistency in front of my friends, in front of my schoolmates, in front of my workmates, in front of my mom, in front of my parents, in front of my children, in front of my wife. It doesn't make any difference. I need to live a life fully acknowledging Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. If I want to be acknowledged by God the Father, if I want Jesus to acknowledge me, I must first acknowledge him. Why? Because he's already given up his life for me. He's already given the ultimate sacrifice. I just have to receive it and acknowledge it and say, yeah, I accept that. That's who I am. That builds character. It's about being consistent. See, we're not to fear public opinion or public perception of what people think because I see things differently than the world sees or that I don't talk like the world or I don't do what the world does. I don't laugh at the jokes. I don't go to the movies. I don't do the things that they see that are not right. I just, now wait. I said, go to, we can go to movies. <laughs> just go to good movies, all right? I'm not talking legalism here. Don't get me wrong. I, people will misconstrue that. That's a snippet that people will take and see. See how legalistic they are? No, just do right things. And don't be afraid of what the world says when you live and do right things in front of them. Because they're going to persecute you. And here's the deal. What's really happening here is that they want to be like you. They just don't know how. When, when you are living for Jesus and you're standing up for right things and they're starting to ridicule you or talk behind your back or say things, a lie about you or slander you, what they're really saying is, man, I really wish I could be like that guy. I just don't know how to. You know, that's a big deal with kids. That was a big deal I would tell my kids all the time. When you go to school and they tease you, it's only because they want to be like you. It's only because they, would, they really want to be able to stand up and say no to things that you're saying no to, and they don't know how to. So they ridicule you. They'll, they'll, rather, they'll try to bring you down to their level. And that's what the world does. All the threats that they can bring about to us amount to nothing as I'm truly submitting my life to Jesus and I'm seeking a relationship with him over the fear of man. Man, I am just putting myself in a great position of godly and eternal blessings. Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is a duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. Hmm. Just think about that for a minute. Think about that day. Think about that day when you're going to stand before God and he's going to bring everything in your life to bear. Every thought, every word, every deed, every intent, every action, every motive of your action is going to come to bear. I don't know about you, but that brings me great trepidation to know that God is going to bring to light everything that I've thought. Now, for those sins that I've committed that I've been forgiven of, he's not talking about those. 
when he forgives me of my sins, those are wiped away. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things I've done while I was a Christian. <laughs> I'm talking about, uh, I'm not talking about the great white throne judgment that is all for sinners. I'm talking about the judgment seat of Christ that every Christian is going to go through, that we are going to have eternal decisions made upon our life based upon the things that we've done while we were a Christian. We've been talking about of that a lot on our Wednesday night study. For those that have been Wednesday nights, I think you probably grasp it. But I wish you would all be there. I'm telling you, we're having such good truth. We're having such good discussions in our Sunday school classes, in our Wednesday nights, in our church services. I'll tell you, the world's missing it. I encourage you to step in. But if we could just grasp the fact that someday we are going to give an account of our life, I would wonder if that would make us truly live a little differently today. I hope so. Paul lived through all of his persecution and hardships and he became a great example for us to follow in the process because Paul understood that hardships and persecutions put him in a position to glorify God. Hmm, that's interesting. Let's read about that. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 14. Paul speaking, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me all these persecutions that we've talked about, you know, Paul was persecuted, beaten, shipwrecked, all the stuff, all those things have actually served to advance the gospel. Wow. Think about that. As a result, it has been clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Paul knows that his tribulations, his persecutions, everybody in, the, everybody in the palace guard know that he's there not because he did anything wrong, but because he believes in Jesus and he promotes Jesus Christ. And they all know that. Paul could have taken the approach, well, God, why me then? Why are you persecuting me, God? Why are you upset with me when I'm doing all the things right? Why are you putting me in this dungeon? But rather, Paul says, all right, because of that, because they know all those things that I've done and all those things that have been put on me have not because I have been disobedient to you, but because I've been obedient to you, I'm using that to bring you more glory in my life because I'm going to have a great attitude about it. I'm not going to pout about it. I'm not going to get whiny about it. I'm just going to, know, I'm just going to praise you more in, in spite of it. I'm not going to let them get to me to take away my testimony. I'm not going to give in to that level of persecution as a way to defeat me because I know that I'm doing it for the right reasons. Greater is he that is within me than he that is within the world. That's the approach we should take. Verse 18 of that same chapter. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. See, Paul was more about building the kingdom than about preserving his own life. Paul didn't care who got the credit. He just wanted people to come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a good thing. There should be no competitiveness between Christian brothers and sisters. Because somebody's got a little different ministry that I have or maybe a little bit more uh, better in this thing or whatever, I shouldn't be competitive. I should share the glory. I should say, thank you, Jesus. Rejoice in that. Because people are coming to Christ in another way. All through Jesus, but through a different ministry. Not a different way, through Jesus, but in a different ministry. 
Paul's entire focus in life was not what he could get out of it, but what he could put into it. Remember, we talked about that. Do we get that this morning? Can we grab Paul's enthusiasm for life? Peter continues in 1 Peter 3, 15. But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Consistency in our living. But do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that those who speak maliciously against your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Remember, we're talking about living a life of consistency here in the middle of chaos and trouble, in the middle of lies, in the middle of false accusations. Having my heart set on the awesomeness and the fearful respect of Christ, not only as my Savior, but also as my Lord, is the key to it. Moving Jesus from Savior to Lordship is very important. Jesus as Savior is really day one of your life, eternally. When you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, that is the moment where you go from death to life. That's the most important single day of your life, where you've, met, where you've gone from death to life. But we have to move beyond that. We cannot stay with Jesus just as Savior. We have to make him Lord. And Lord signifies ownership. Lordship says, I am no longer my own. I am yours. This is where we have consistency in our life. When I can make Jesus more than just my Savior and truly make him my Lord, then I can submit unto him and I can say, whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you want me to do, I will follow you as my Lord. Now we're talking about effective Christianity. Now we're talking about people are going to listen when you speak. Now when we go out and do a crusade or a carnival in our neighborhood, as Jackie gave that word picture of the church being the perfect ark, the perfect haven, the, the harbor of safety, and we go out into the world because we have lived a life of character, because we have lived a life of putting Christ first in our life in all aspects, they then will listen and they will come in and they will be, um, we will have earned their respect. Put it that way. Amen. That's good. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience. See, this is a byproduct of living a life truly of Christ's lordship. Is that Christ now trusts me to be his advocate. Christ now trusts me to be his spokesperson. Because I keep him above all of my situations and above all of my circumstances. And I don't find myself wallowing down or coming down to uh, a, a compromised level of integrity or, or, or character. Such a great word. Peter says we're always to be prepared to give an answer for the reason of the hope that we have. Now, this sounds really intimidating. Uh, we have to be prepared to give an answer for the hope. This is what the devil would tell you. All right, I'm just being a devil right now. What he's going to tell you is you really can't do that because you don't know enough Bible. You don't know enough scriptures to tell them all of the hope because you can't quote scripture. You don't know enough. So somebody's going to ask you a question that you're not going to be able to answer. So therefore, it's going to embarrass you. It's going to make you feel inadequate. So who are you to open your mouth? No, you just be quiet. Live your own life privately. Live it before God. Just you alone. Don't share it with anybody. Don't share that because you don't know enough to share your, your, your story. 
That's the devil. But Jesus is saying, talk about me. Talk about me. Give them your story. All they want to know is about you anyways. They don't really want you to quote Scripture. They couldn't understand it if you quoted it. So share your story. That's the most important thing. What were you like? How did Jesus save you? What, how has Jesus made you different? How do you feel about life now? And just tell them what has happened in your life. If that's what he's saying here, always be prepared to give an answer who asks you, why are you different? I'm different because Jesus set me free. I don't have bondage anymore. I struggle with some things. Yes, I do. I'm not perfect, but you know what I'm not perfect? What I do is I come right away and I say, Jesus, please forgive me. I repent again. Yeah, that's good. And that's what we do. And that's how we come into this thing. And I'm doing it with a clear conscience because I'm consistent in my approach. I'm consistent in my living. I'm not perfect. We're not saying perfect. We're saying consistent. Consistent means that when I sin, I know when to say I'm sorry and how to say I'm sorry and how to repent and how to ask for forgiveness and then also how to forgive how to forgive other people and how to forgive myself. That's consistency. So I'm hoping that it makes it easier when we start talking about how do we do this. But do this with gentleness and respect. Yeah. Be prepared to share your story. God's perspective is for you to be humble and open and willing to let people know that you're broken. This isn't an issue of how bad I was and now how good I am. You know what that could be? Maybe a little bit of pride. What does God think about pride? Anybody tell me? Does God like pride? He hates it. God hates pride. He's not looking to you for you to tell people how good you are. No, he's looking for you to tell them about the grace of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. The way Jesus helps you when you have struggles. When you're tempted with that life habit, whatever it is, you name it, you know yours. When you're tempted with it, whatever it is, you struggle with that and you just give it to the Lord again and again and again. He helps you. He gets you through that. People will see that. They will know how, they will ask you, how did you deal with it? How are you dealing with that? Well, I do it because I just give it to Jesus. I just depend on him because he loves me so much. And, and I'm learning to love him back. In my imperfection, I'm learning to love him back. That's really cool stuff. That's pretty powerful stuff. There's no man taller than that when that man is on his knees. You know, Zach is pretty tall. But I'll tell you what, he's taller when that man's on his knees. When I see young people that love Jesus... They are taller when they are on their knees. And when they see their dads that love Jesus, understand, dad, you are taller when you are on your knees. Powerful. Character. Consistency. Powerful stuff. Don't let the enemy ever tell you that you're not worth it, that it's not worth it to keep going, that that path of righteousness is too difficult that it's easier just to give in and be part of the crowd. Don't believe that lie. It is better to suffer for doing good than for doing evil. Stick with it. Jackie, if you'd come this morning.
So where are you this morning in your life of consistency or inconsistency? Are you feeling the urgency to share your story? Or do you find yourself complacent, just willing to fit in and be part of the crowd? I really don't want to stand out. You know, I, I would be willing to say that if the rapture happens, because the rapture is going to happen, but if the rapture were to happen on a Sunday morning, on a Sunday morning, that there would be more surprised people sitting in churches all across this country and all across this world because they're still here. Did you hear what I said? There would be more people surprised because they didn't go in the rapture on a Sunday morning. And they would say, well, holy, hold, 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 hold. I worshiped the Lord this Sunday. I mean, I even raised my hands. I sang the songs. I gave in the offering. I listened to the preacher. But, I, but what, when I was going through this, but what the Lord spoke to my heart on this was, it's not about what you do on Sunday mornings. It's what you do on Monday morning. And the reason that you're left behind on Sunday morning is because you did that on Tuesday. Or you're going to do that on Wednesday coming up. It's not about what you're doing for the moment. It's about your character of life throughout your life. That's the importance of having a life that is committed to submitted to being submitted to the will of God. That we just don't find ourselves trying to check the box here and there. No. We're committed. We're committed to following Jesus. The Bible says, if you love me, Jesus says, you will obey me. That's not hard. That's love. That's truth. That's consistency. That's what Jesus is coming back for. He's coming back for the church that's consistent. He's coming back for the church without spot or wrinkle. He's coming back for the church that knows how to repent. He's coming back for those that would say, I love you, Jesus, in spite of all things. Make sense? Is it, a, is it a message of hope? Is it a message of, of thank you, Jesus, for sharing with me the truth that you have and how much love you have for me? Yeah, I hope so. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, I thank you one more time that you've given us an opportunity to hear your word. One more time that we can look to you in, in all of our humanity and all of our brokenness and all of the things that we are so frail in that yet you are so strong and you're saying just come unto me and I will carry your burdens. I, I will take care of it if you'll just come to me. I thank you for that open invitation. And Lord, I know that we all struggle with character. We all struggle with consistency. And this is not a message of condemnation. This is a message of eternal hope that we would have the ability and we would invite the Holy Spirit to come in with that finger of conviction that would challenge me in those areas that I need to be more consistent in. So this morning, we come to you repenting. Repenting. I'm sorry. Truly am I sorry, Father, for the times that I failed you. Would you please forgive me? Would you give me strength not to fall in that same trap again? Would you give me an accountability partner that I can work with, somebody that I can put in my life to trust, that I can share my innermost struggles with, and maybe they'll share theirs with me as well, that we can be together? But we're doing this in an area of consistency and character. 
Father, if there's any pride in my life, would you please show it to me so I could lay it down and be forgiven of that. True humility, a brokenness. It's amazing for me. I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Jackie, lead us in that song and let's just praise the Lord and worship Him this morning as we prepare to go to our homes. Consistency in our life. Amen. Father, be glorified in our lives today. We worship you. Lord, I pray blessing on your people today as they go. Blessing and honor. Be with them, God. Meet their needs today. We praise your name. We live consistently for you. In Jesus' name, amen.